This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome, 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 listeners. We are so glad that you are with us. And uh, we are aware of a number of listeners. And please, if uh, you are listening, please let us know. Mm. We would really, really appreciate that. So send your comments or your questions or just say, yeah, we are listening. And send it to Frederick Suki, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-K. And then same uh, one word, Suki, S-O-E-K-I-E, Fred Suki, at kpulpit.co.za and it's such a privilege to be talking to um, Suki and to Karen because we are talking about women and it's a privilege Karen to have you with us as we uh, as I really want to honor women for the roles they have played not only in scripture but in in life today and to see how they have been able to cope with their challenges and amidst how life challenges. amidst life challenges mm. and how God has been faithful in helping them. So very, very welcome, Karen. Thank you, Frederick. Yes, so listeners, this month our theme is God's faithfulness and women's challenges. And so, Karen, um, it's Karen McLeod being with us today and Karen, we are so interested uh, to hear your story and what role, how God is using you, and what what are your links with addiction? Well, um, to to my sure, my story with addiction started many many years ago, when I uh, married my first husband, who was an alcoholic. Um, I very quickly learned that this is not something that you could live with somebody who was in denial about any sort of addiction problems and obviously was a very abusive relationship and so that ended um, but out of that um, out of that marriage I did I had a beautiful son uh, I then remarried and believe it or not I married a second addict so he was mm. not only an alcoholic but he was also a drug addict um, and out of that marriage I had a, a beautiful daughter so I had two children and two Two addict husbands. Um, mm. Mm. So uh, that was two divorces later. I, I did realize that, you know, unless somebody was prepared to do something about addiction, there is no way you can possibly live with an addict. It's the most devastating and destructive thing you could you could possibly put yourself through. And um, neither of them were prepared to admit that they had a problem. And so those marriages, those yeah. marriages ended. Um, however... You know, it was then a big thing in my life. Obviously, I was, I think my biggest fear was that one of my children would uh, become an addict because mm-hmm. obviously there's a whole generational thing. Mm-hmm. There's that sort of genetic, you predispose genetically. And so I was aware of that. And then my son, my beautiful son, he, he started with drugs and alcohol as a teenager mm. and it went on into a full blown 15 year addiction. Um, with drugs, all sorts of drugs, everything you could think of and alcohol. Yeah. And that was, well, that was obviously the most devastating thing that that I could ever think of going through. Um, because, you know, whereas you can, you can, it just sounds maybe a bit cynical, but you can divorce a spouse, you certainly cannot divorce mm. a child. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so wow. to have a child that you love more than life itself, um, busy destroying himself with drugs and alcohol is... Oh. 
is completely devastating and you're completely helpless. Mm. Um, this is the, the, I personally this grew is, up in a very dysfunctional home, mm. um, a very emotionally abusive and dysfunctional, very broken parents I had. And so, you know, without realizing it, I was naturally um, drawn to and attracted broken people. And so mm. that's how I ended up marrying two different mm. broken mm. people. Yes. Um, that, that was exactly what I was uh, going to mention, um, mm. Karen. Yeah. Is that yeah. you know even in and Suki and I meeting each other, um, I needed somebody to help me um, yeah. because I I had shame and a whole lot of life issues, and I needed to help Suki and her her family, mm. and uh, and so we were drawn to each other mm. and unknowingly. I had addictive tendencies and Suki had mm. codependent mm. tendencies. Yes, yeah. because both our fathers were alcoholics. And mm. so I grew up with the example of my mother helping my father. So I thought yeah. that was normal. Mm. So very yeah. interesting because both of us, and this is now our story, it's not your story, so we don't want to go into our story, but it's, I think there also, it's overlapping in some way because... Um, so, because I I just learned to, um, I didn't know that Frederick is going to be uh, alcoholic, of course. I, so, both of us came to know Jesus, and we were thinking, well, if we're Christians, this is never going to happen to us. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's the story of many people. That's why we have the story specifically on a Christian radio station, because you were a Christian as well, right? Absolutely. Well, I, I only, only got saved in my late 30s. So I was okay. I was brought up in a church, but mm. um, I didn't have a personal relationship with God. And I think that was one of the issues that oh, I, right. as I grew up being really scared of God. Um, mm. You know, I grew up in a, in a, in a dysfunctional home. And, and so my example of a father was somebody who never approved, who you could never, you could never be good enough for. And that was my impression of God mm-hmm. as well. So my, mm. my strategy there was um, I knew about God, obviously. I knew, that, you know, that he existed, but I was, I was terrified of him. And so mm. my strategy was let me just avoid him and, and keep out of his way and hopefully, you know, stay under the radar. So that didn't help matters either. Mm. Um with my with my rescuing and fixing and looking for lame ducks and trying to fix everybody around me, I was I was brought up that that, that was my role. You mm-hmm. know, it was my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. Respo- more responsibility than you need to. And so mm-hmm. I was constantly fixing and rescuing other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that that also <laughs> Karen, that also sounds very, very familiar. <laughs> um, so so one of my character <laughs> defects was also to help people and um yeah. It, yeah. it was not only people, but especially ladies uh, that were in distress. Mm. So, yeah. so my dysfunction that I got from my father um, was I need to help others so that I feel better about myself mm. and feel exactly. that I can, I can be of value because I didn't yeah. feel valued, mm. I didn't feel worthy. But mm. doing that would make me feel valid and worthy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, and that that is codependency. It's yes. from mm-hmm. a, a, a belief that you're not lovable, so mm-hmm. you settle for being needed, and mm-hmm. that is that is exactly what mm-hmm. I was doing. And Karen, you know, um, I just want to pick up on that because I think many Christians also struggle with that because the Bible says we need to love each other, we need to help. So I saw the Bible through codependent eyes. 
So mm-hmm. I, you know, as a Christian, because I became a Christian when I was 10 years old. So, mm-hmm. um, so I can't say it's not because I wasn't a Christian that, that this happened mm-hmm. to me, but my Christian mm-hmm. beliefs were interpreted through, um, addict or uh, um, a co- codependent glasses. So yes. I, I saw yes. every verse as, okay, this is what Jesus is saying and I should be doing this. So it was a big yeah. shock for me and I'm sure many people that are listening um, to say, but no, this is not really, I mean, the Bible wants us to help, but actually we're doing it from a skewed perspective. Can you say mm. something Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. Um, there's, a, there's a big difference between uh, you know, the two kinds of help I've, I've learned, and that the, the one help hurts and the other help harms. Mm. And when you're harming people by helping them is when you are not allowing them to, to face the consequences of their actions and learn from those mistakes. If you keep rescuing them, you just perpetuate that cycle of, mm. of, of abuse and, and not taking responsibility and not being accountable. Exactly. And so I, I also struggled um, because, you know, once I was saved and started developing a relationship with Jesus, what I did struggle with was how my son was a born-again Christian, how he could be loving God one minute and using the next minute. Mm-hmm. And so, um, um, you know, if, if I could just encourage people to, to say that it doesn't mean that somebody that somebody can still love Jesus and be dysfunctional. They can mm, still love mm, Jesus mm, and be caught up in this terrible addiction. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not that they're not his children. That that, mm. that he hasn't got them. Um, you know, people are so quick to judge and go, "Well, you can't possibly be a Christian if you're an addict." That's nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolute nonsense. Mm. Um, yeah. Exactly like, my, you know, my experience as well, yeah, yes. You, you, mm. you can't possibly be a Christian and be sick. It's exactly mm. the same thing. That's absolute mm. nonsense. Mm. So, um, but you can't, on the other hand, you can't do recovery without Jesus. You know, that, that for sure, that, that's the one thing I can say for sure. Mm. Without him, you cannot do recovery. Yeah. Mm. Um, you will never be free. You will never be set free. Um, and and as, a, as a mother of an, an addict and as a, as a wife of an addict, um, what I did learn, this journey did teach me 100% how to surrender. Wow. Because, you know, we surrender and then we try and fix it ourselves. Oh, I think, so oh, the Lord's not doing this quickly enough. Let me just get a little mm. bit involved yeah. here and try mm-hmm. and help. Or I'll just do this bit and that bit. And so he started dealing with me many years ago about enabling. Before I even heard of a recovery program or, or knew of one, and and was basically saying to me, if you're telling me that you're surrendering, your son, then you have to leave him in my hands and stop interfering. Wow. And that's the hardest thing to do. Um, enormous challenge, hey, enormous challenge. Just at this point, I want to stop us quickly because it's time to take a break. And after that, we can continue with the rest of your story. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much, Karen. So, Karen, you were talking to us about complete surrender um, just before the break. Tell us more about that. Um, so I think the difficulty for me was being a codependent was continually thinking that I had I was responsible mm-hmm. for my son's recovery and that if I loved him enough, if I cared about him enough, if I helped him enough, he would actually change and he would he would be okay. Um, you know, we have that false sense of 
it's almost like playing God, I think. Because mm-hmm. you think yeah, that yeah. Somehow, somehow your actions are going to make a difference to this person's life. And and what what the Lord taught me was that if you're going to surrender, you literally let go. You, you let go of the outcome. You do not pick it up again. You do not mm-hmm. keep interfering. Mm-hmm. If, if you say you trust me, then you trust me and you leave it in my hands. And yeah. I had to do that for many years before mm-hmm. my son eventually, at the age of 31, um, came and said, okay, I'm ready now. I need wow. help. But how did it play out practically? I mean, what? Did he go and live on the streets or what, what happened? Yes. No, he was actually jobless. He was homeless. He, um, he was... I, you know, to be honest, half the time I didn't know where he was mm. because he would he would repeat the pattern of, you know, getting a job, getting on his feet. And as soon as he got money, he would use again and then he would get fired and then he would get thrown out of where he was and lose everything and have to start all over again. So it was just this constant cycle. But for years and years, I kept trying to help and, you know, pay off debt and get him back on his feet, take him back in and. And, you know, because you want you want your child to be okay. Mm. But what I didn't realize was that that was just enabling him to continue for longer mm. and longer mm. periods mm. of time. So mm. we actually... Actually, we actually prolonging the pain, not a... We do. And the addiction mm. and, and the devastation. So, you know, that is a terribly difficult lesson and a very, very hard lesson for any, especially for a parent to learn, to let go of their mm. children. But unfortunately, until you do... Um, things aren't going to change because if if they always have you fixing and rescuing, what is the incentive to stop? Mm. What is there's no incentive to stop because they can continue their lifestyle and still be okay. Mm. Um, and so, really, you know, um, we have a saying in addiction that you have to hit rock bottom, and everybody's yeah, rock bottom yeah, yeah. is different. Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. some, it's being on the street. For some, it's not being on the street. For some, it's overdosing. For some, it's not overdosing. Yeah. Um, and you know. You just have to basically let let it play out. But, you know, God is amazing. Mm. I mean, never underestimate the power of a Mm. praying, especially a praying mother, because that kept my son alive. He overdosed. He was on every kind of drug you could think of. He shouldn't be alive today. Mm. And and today he's alive and well, and he's been clean and sober for for eight years. So, you know, that is such a testimony. Um, And... It just shows you that if you can actually surrender and trust God with everything in you, mm. uh, there were days when I would have to when I would have to not take my son's call, but I would then sit on the floor and cover my head and just cry and just mm. cry out to God and mm. say, God, please, I, I'm so tempted. I, I, I just want to help him. It's my job. It's my responsibility. Mm. And he would say, No, mm. no, it's wow. not your job. It's not your job. Mm. Um, and that's that was that to me was the hardest lesson to learn. Mm. Yeah, let go. I, yeah, yeah. I, I see God's faithfulness. I mean, um, to say that you face some challenges is an understatement. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there was there was an incredible challenges uh, that you were facing, and um, I see God's faithfulness uh, with you, with your son. Um, what are the other ways that you that you can really see, almost practically, but God has been there and has been faithful? Oh, well, you know, the fact that my son's alive, the fact that I am now um, involved in a recovery ministry, mm. the fact that I'm still sane, mm. um, you know, he, he, I don't know, the, 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 the God's faithfulness and his mercy mm. and his love, um, 
basically overwhelming. Mm. Um, there's been other personal challenges. You know, I've managed to let go of all the the sort of dysfunction, the 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 emotional scars, the healing, the mm. healing that's come over the years of working through all these things has been absolutely incredible. And if we allow God to to use our pain, mm. and you two are such a good example of that, then He will He will take something so so ugly and turn it into something so beautiful. Mm. Um, and, beautiful and, yeah. and where you can make a difference in other people's lives, mm. where hopefully you can just encourage one person. Um, just to just to never lose hope, you know. Yeah. There is hope. There's hope always. in addiction. There's hope always. of healing. There's always hope. Mm. If you have God mm. in your life, there's always hope. And Amen. so mm. I think that's just something mm. that people need to just hang on to. Um yeah. Karen, and as, reach out. Yes, absolutely. Karen, as I was listening to you, um I actually heard the steps. You know, the steps of the 12 steps, because we in several 12 step, we are several 12 step programs. We in celebrate recovery yes. and um, yes. my husband's in SAA. I'm in COSA. And, um, you know, so step one says I am powerless. And that's what I could hear. Those mm. times when you wanted to rescue your son when he was calling yeah. and you were crying out to God. Yeah. Um, and then step two, I can hear turn to God to help you with you to restore you from your sanity, your insanity, yes. right? Because the insanity yes. was to think that you could make a difference, to think Absolutely. that you could save him. And then the third one, to turn to his will, to surrender, turn over, surrender your life, will, life and will, your life God. and your will to God. Because Absolutely. what you wanted to do, you wanted to, re you wanted to help him, but mm. you realized yes. you can't. It's only yes. God that can do that. And in the process, what I also hear as you continue to talk about the fact that you know a saying you said, and that he helped you with your with your struggles and your character difficulties, that's step four. That you became yeah. aware of these things that you kept on doing, your sin, the Absolutely. sinful parts that you didn't realize. And then God could restore you. We, I don't want to go to all the steps now. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I could just hear those first few steps playing out yeah. so clearly as you were talking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think we'd love to speak to your son sometime on the program. We need <laughs> to definitely get him and um, and get his part of the story as well. But maybe you can tell us a little bit more detail of when he when he when his life started turning around. How did that happen? You, ha you haven't really given us details on that. And how did it okay. happen? Okay, so he, um, he had been fired from yet another job. And uh, this time, the, the labor consultant that fired him said to him, um, you, you are fired, but I would like to offer you a lifeline. Um, if you want to get your life together and save your life, then, then you need to call this number. And the number that he gave him was the number of Mighty Wings. Mm. And I'd never heard of Mighty Wings, and neither yeah. had he. And he came back and he said to me, the, the, this guy gave him this number. And I said, well, you know, do you want to call him uh, to call this number? And he said, yes, let's call. So we phoned up and we made an appointment to go and meet with somebody on a, and I'll never forget, it was a Sunday. And I took him to, to, to the local uh, Mighty Wings branch at the time, was in Randburg. I took him there. And he signed up um, to do a, an outpatient recovery program for a year. And at the time, I was very skeptical. I thought, well, I don't know about this, if, if this is going to work, but let's just see. Um, and then 
I said, let me just give him a couple of, let me see if he goes back again, because it was a twice-weekly program. And after a couple of weeks, he said he was going, and he said, Mom, I'd like you to join as well, because they also run a similar program for um, the family support. Mm. And so I, I, I went along to this Mighty Wings program, and the minute I walked in there, it, it completely resonated with what they were saying. It was everything that I'd been working mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. that God had been dealing me with, you know, dealing with me about, and... It was completely, I just felt like this was exactly where I needed to be. And mm. I've, I hadn't left ever in eight years. Mm. Mm. So, so, so yeah. just a uh, last thought, Karen, before we, we need to close off our, our recording, yes. our, our program. Um, what made you realize that you also need to be in a program mm. and that you eventually couldn't do it alone, but you needed a community? Well, Absolutely. Look, I, as I said, I've been dealing with this stuff on my own. And when I, when, I, when I joined this program, when I walked in there and I realized how many other people were going through exactly the same thing mm. as I was, that we could all support, first of all, relate to one another and, and learn the skills. Because, you know, nobody, nobody should know how to deal with this. Mm. Unfortunately, so many of us have to know how to deal with addiction, but you shouldn't have to. But where do you go? Mm. You need you need to be taught properly. You need to get the correct skills. The, the, you know, you need to be taught how to support somebody in addiction yeah. without enabling them. Mm. Um, and and deal with your own stuff because nobody that ever steps into that program hasn't got issues. And yeah. so yeah. the supporters as well. We do our own twelve step program. We deal with all our own issues. Um, and normally we find when the family members, when they change, everything changes mm. because mm. they need to deal with their own stuff and do their own recovery and deal with their own anger, their hurt, their disappointment, their pain. Then things change mm. um, because every supporter, family member, loved one of an addict thinks that somehow they can help or they should be able to help them. And that's just not the truth. Addicts are addicts because they choose to be addicts. Mm. Um, and and mm. we've got to let go of that uh, responsibility, and we've got to let them sort themselves out while yes. we sort ourselves out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I, I'm very interested in in Mighty Wings um, to hear mm. a lot more about Mighty Wings. But shall we do that in our next? R- a program that we will talk about it next week. Yeah, I just want to tell the listeners, um, some of you might remember that we had interviews before with other people from Mighty Wings before, with Peter, but that was a few months ago, and there are um, uh, some Mighty Wings branches, and Karen is actually the manager of this branch in Bryanston. So next week we're going to tell you more about that and you're going to get more about the inside details of Mighty Wings. But thank you so much, Karen, for sharing your own personal story and especially the part about marrying two husbands. You're so vulnerable to do that. We both have struggled with addictions because it's such a common thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I I work as a counselor and so many times I speak to clients who who marry to the same kind of guy twice or even Mm. three times in a row without realizing Mm. that this would happen again. And Mm. it says so much about what you said about family members and friends of addicts that need to get help as well so that they wouldn't continue to fall into the same the same uh, problem time after time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Listeners, um, thank you for being with us. And uh, remember, you can download the podcast, um, re-listen to this program or any of the previous programs. 
especially for this month of a women's, uh, women's Month. And uh, send it to a friend, uh, get them to listen. and Maybe a mother that uh, you know that's struggling with ch- mm. or a wife going through the same issues. Mm, mm. Mm. So thank you very much. You can get to the podcast at www.kpulpa.co.za forward slash podcasts forward slash into me see and uh, write to us if you've been listening and uh, you find this of value or you you share an experience at uh, frederick suki at kpulpit.co.za so f-r-e-d-e-r-i-k-s-o-e-k-i-e at kpulpit.co.za thank you very much for being with us and we'll see you again This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.